What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fantasy Unleashed podcast. Josh Selway here. Going to bring you another edition of Into the Galaxy Brain. Some of my most notable takeaways from my deep dive into the NFL for the week. Some interesting tidbits for sports bettors, fantasy players, or just general NFL enthusiasts. Got some good stuff for you this week. So let's not waste any time. Let's not try to sell you anything. Let's not try to promote anything. Let's just talk some football. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Browns, the Browns, the Browns. The Browns enter NFL Week 9, even at 500, 4-4. They are traveling to Cincinnati as... Two and a half point underdogs. The Cleveland Browns are now two and a half point underdogs against Cincinnati. And how did we get here? Well, the Browns lost last week to the Steelers because they couldn't make big plays. I mentioned this on Monday's podcast. The Browns failed to make big plays against the Steelers. Therefore, the Steelers can hang around, even with their shitty offense, and grab a win against the Browns. And this is going to be something the Browns need to figure out moving forward. Because now they're going up against one of the best big play teams in the league. We've seen what Jamar Chase has done. Now the Browns are going to need to match that going forward. Maybe Nick Chubb can get back to making big plays in the run game against Cincinnati. He could have some more room to run. But this is interesting because Cincinnati did just get eaten up by Michael Carter. Theoretically, or you would think from just looking at the stats. But most of that was through the passing game. Michael Carter really didn't do that much damage on the ground against Cincinnati. Most of it came through the air. Cincinnati is actually top five in the league in rush defense, going by yards per rush given up. And they're also top 10 in total rush yards given up as a defense. Now, listen to these running backs the Bengals have faced this year. Aaron Jones, James Robinson, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, David Montgomery, obviously the shitty name of that group, and DeAndre Swift. They've faced a lot of good running backs, and they've still been solid against the run. Now, can this hold up against Nick Chubb? We'll see. The Browns did just lose their right tackle for this week and maybe multiple weeks going forward. One of their best offense alignment. Oh, and the Bengals also went up against Lamar Jackson, too, and held the Ravens to under 20 points. So since these defense is hard to figure out right now, but the Browns need to be able to make big plays through the air if they want to get back to being serious contenders. And right now, obviously, with Odell Beckham gone into La La Land, whatever's happening there, they're in even more trouble with their passing game. Right now, their best playmaker as a receiver, is David Njoku. Now, obviously, these stats are because he hasn't seen that much volume, but David Njoku actually leads the league in yards after catch per reception. Basically, most of his catches go for big gains. Now, a lot of these have been on these tight end screens that the Browns like to run to Njoku, and then he has a lot of room to run upfield. But still, they need to get him involved. I know he's been there for a while, and this has been a player the Browns have tried to get more involved in the past, but now they really need him. And I think they may continue to go back to him and involve Hooper more just out of necessity or play Anthony Schwartz more and get Donovan Peoples-Jones healthy. The Browns need these type of players to be successful. Now, as far as Sunday's game goes against the Bengals, again, the Browns are two and a half point underdogs on the road. And we covered the Bengals defense a little bit, but on the other side, Joe Burrow has been sacked 20 times this year, more than Zach Wilson, David Mills, and Daniel Jones. So if Miles Garrett and company can create pressure to prevent those big plays from the Bengals, the Browns can get back to over 500, but this is a dangerous game for Cleveland. 
One bonus note here for the Bengals, Joe Mixon actually leads the NFL in broken tackles on rush plays, according to Pro Football Reference, with 14. What a wild ride this Justin Fields story has been this season. This offense in Chicago has seen some of the lowest lows of the entire NFL. Yet Justin Fields was unleashed this past Sunday because Matt Nagy got COVID or something. He was a close contact. Who knows what exactly happened? But this offense throughout the year has just been a complete disaster. Justin Fields, according to Pro Football Reference, leads the league in bad throw percentage with basically 25%, one-fourth of his passes considered bad throws. League leader, also leading the league with 26 sacks for a total loss of 206 yards. Oh, and he also has eight fumbles on the year. And that's to go along with the NFL's lowest touchdown percentage as well. Now, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you may be hoping that Matt Nagy doesn't come back. I don't know what his vaccination status is. I don't have his medical records pulled up here. So I'm not sure what the latest on that is. But Chicago this week is traveling to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers in prime time with a game that has a 40-point over-under and they are six-point underdogs. It's probably going to be really cold. It's probably going to be really loud. I don't know what Chicago can really get done here. And if you're a fantasy player looking to maybe play one of the Chicago running backs, well, the Steelers have given up just two running back touchdowns this season. And the Bears go into this week with six of their eight game totals on the season hitting the under. I'm sensing that we may swing back to these ugly, ugly lows from earlier in the season from Chicago. I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about the Buffalo Bills and how they seem to be an oddly quiet Super Bowl favorite. They're favored over the Rams and Buccaneers, but they don't seem to have that ESPN narrative behind them. You know what I'm talking about. They're not, there's no big headlines around the Bills. Nothing too exciting's happened with them. In fact, just two weeks ago, they lost to the Titans on primetime. So if anything, sentiment seems to be maybe even leaning bearish or just people are sort of overlooking the Bills so far, even though they have the highest scoring offense in the league and the best scoring defense in the league. And Josh Allen is the far away favorite to win the MVP. I'm sorry, Rob. I know you want it to be Matthew, but Stafford's back at plus 600. Same odds as Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, while Josh Allen's all the way up at plus 250. A pretty big gap there. Yet it would seem we hear more about Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady than Josh Allen. Those odds are according to DraftKings Sportsbook. So I don't know. Maybe I've missed something on the bills here. Maybe I've missed some storylines. I've cut the cord. I don't have ESPN anymore. But just to me, it seems interesting that they are quietly far and away the favorite Josh Allen far and away the favorite for MVP, yet it's not widely discussed. Diving a little further into the MVP odds at the moment, though, two guys stand out to me. One is Lamar Jackson, who is all the way down at plus 2,500. Again, a pretty big gap between him and Josh Allen. But the Ravens are 5-2, and two, and if they keep winning, and not just winning, but winning on the arm of Lamar Jackson. They're still about league average, below league average in a lot of passing metrics, but the Ravens are airing the ball out more. And when they do throw, they are throwing deep. Lamar Jackson actually leads the league in air yards per completion. So while the Ravens are still a run heavy team, when they do throw, they are going deep. And I think we may even see more of that going forward especially since they're coming off their bye. It'd be hard for Lamar to jump those top guys in MVP, but I do find it intriguing as a long-shot bet. And the other guy I would at least mention here is Dak Prescott. 
He's at plus 650, so right behind Matthew Stafford. Not very good odds, not a great long shot bet, but I still wanted to mention him as someone who I don't think is completely dead and is playing on a team that should go far into the playoffs. And for fantasy purposes here, we need to monitor Dak's injury because personally for me, I am in a little bit of a predicament because my other quarterback in my one league is Carson Wentz. And I'm considering starting Wentz on Thursday night football against the Jets over Dak on Sunday. Now Vegas has the Cowboys game. They're playing the Broncos and that spread is at nine and a half. So Vegas is counting on Dak to play. But how much are they going to need to lean on Dak for that game? How much is Dak going to be throwing the ball down the field? What is the game environment with the Broncos going to be like? I don't see the Broncos really pushing the pace and forcing Dallas's hand to throw the ball more. So I think I'm going to galaxy brain this one and go ahead and just leave Carson Wentz in there. Probably a terrible decision. Speaking of Dallas's game Sunday against Denver, as I said, they are nine and a half point favorites right now. You know, Dallas is undefeated against the spread this year. They've covered the spread every single game, and the total's gone over in those games five of seven times, with one of the unders coming last week with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Finally, I just wanted to say farewell to Jameis Winston, one of our heroes here at Fantasy Unleashed. Jameis was actually playing okay-ish. As always with Jameis, it's hard to explain. There's no right words to use. But Jameis Winston, before he got hurt, This past weekend, tore his ACL, still was able to do an amazing dance in the locker room to celebrate his team's victory. But before he got hurt, he was actually leading the NFL in touchdown rate at 8.7%. Now, it's because he doesn't throw a lot. I understand. I know how these numbers work. I'm just saying, God bless Jameis. 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. He was actually number four in the NFL in quarterback rate. Jameis, I love you. And while we are on New Orleans, I want to reiterate Sean Payton should be in the coach of the year discussion. I don't understand why he is not. Their defense is solid, but it's not that over-the-top amazing that it can just easily make up for their complete lack of offense, complete lack of playmakers. Yet their offense still just does enough. They find a way. The receiving stats from last week's game, Kevin White was the leading receiver, one catch, 38 yards. Deontay Harris, three catches, 35 yards. Traquan Smith. Three catches, 33 yards. Garrett Griffin, three catches, 30 yards. Marquez Callaway, three catches, 30 yards. What the hell is happening here? How is this team winning? Get Sean Payton's name in the Coach of the Year conversation. And now looking ahead, the Saints still have the Falcons twice, the Jets, the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Panthers. They're not going anywhere. Even if they don't have a quarterback, I don't think it matters. All right, I'm getting the hell out of here. That was enough for one day. Thank you guys for listening. I think, I think I'm going to be joining Rob for a DFS podcast this weekend. So stay tuned for that after Rob's big, well, not that big, but he did win a tournament last weekend on DraftKings. We're going to try to build off that. Beaver is in the big apple. He's in New York City. I don't want to know what he's doing. I don't want to know if he even got there. I don't care if he's lost and stranded. I will not be going to help him. Good luck, Beaver. I will talk to you all soon. God bless everyone except uh well never mind you